0: Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Expert to Authority Show. My name is Simone Vincenzi, and I'm your host. And this is the show for coaches, speakers, and trainers who want to grow their businesses while making an impact in the world. And we bring you every week uh, different episodes. Sometimes we want to share some of the behind the scenes of the things that we are doing with Gtex. So sometimes we interview clients and success stories that we have. And other times, like today. We have fantastic guests talking about how you can become an authority in your field and as well sharing their own experiences and expertise. Uh, before we start with the interview though, remember a couple of things. If you are new to the show, uh, listen until the end. And then uh, if you like what you see, make sure you subscribe and also leave us a review. Review are the lifeblood of every show. So we really appreciate uh, your reviews and everyone that takes the time do that so make sure you listen to the interview and then that's for you then make sure you give a review and also um you can see in the show notes there are a few links and the first one that you will see is uh, something about the webinar conversion kit and you know in the expert if you're an expert a coach a speaker or trainer webinars are an incredible way to generate leads to sell your products sell your services your courses However, they're not that straightforward. If uh, you maybe have done a few webinars yourself, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) It's all good and great until you press record and then either something goes wrong or there is lack of sales or you don't get enough people registering. We all know the drill. And that's why we have created the Webinar Conversion Kit. I've been running more than 800 webinars myself, made a few millions uh, in in collected revenues uh, from these webinars and uh, we put together um, uh, what is the, the essence of creating an incredible presentation that sells uh, with also what do you need to do in the follow-up after the webinar. And that's the Webinar Conversion Kit. You can find the link in the show notes or you can go at webinarconversionkit.com. So it's webinarconversionkit.com. Now, today, now it's time, let's get started with the, with the interview. Today, we are talking about Publishing, and in fact, our guest is the founder of self-publishing services firm Book Launchers, and she's also an Amazon overall number one best-selling author. She knows what it takes to successfully self-publish a book, and uh, uh, her titles include uh, "More Than Cash Flow," which topped Amazon, the new uh, the new brand you, and also her latest book. Uh, self-publish and succeed. So today we are going to talk about the key to writing an authority building book uh, that people actually want to read. So welcome to the show, Julie Broad. Julie, how are you doing today?
1: No, thank you. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Uh, it, it is a, a, an absolute pleasure. Um, so I want to get started straight away talking about books. Uh, when was the first experience, the first moment that you said, let"? This book thing. <laughs> Let me see how it works. Uh, was it something that from the beginning, from a young age, you said, oh, I'm going to be a published author, number one best selling author"? Or, or, or did, did the story start in a different way?
1: Oh, when I was a little girl, I thought I'd be a writer. I used to write short stories. I had them published all over the place. And then in high school, I, you know, people told me writers don't make money. And I had an English teacher who, you know, kept giving me Cs. And I thought, well, geez, if I can't get higher than a C. Uh, You know, I'm never going to be a writer. So I ended up going to business school and kind of dropped the whole dream of being a writer. But uh, it's actually through I started investing in real estate and I started to uh, build a platform, which in the book world means, you know, an audience. Essentially, Uh, I started Mm -hmm. to have a newsletter and a YouTube channel and these things. And so a publisher actually approached me and was interested in me writing a book. Um, I gave them a book idea. They were like, no, nope. <laughs> that's not good, but here's an idea. And they gave me an idea and we built a proposal together. And then at the end of that, they said, mm, we don't think you can sell enough books. <laughs> and so they rejected me. <laughs> and I laugh, I laugh about it now at the time I was crying, but I laugh now because it was really the greatest gift because you know, after I recovered from that rejection, I realized I still wanted to write the original book idea that they told me they weren't interested in. And I realized also that I was gonna have to self-publish it because there was no other avenue for me to get a book out into the world. And I dove deep into, because I was injured (laughs) ego-wise, I dove deep into book publishing. And I was like, fine, if if you're not gonna give me this book deal, I'm gonna do it better than if you had given me a book deal. And, uh, And I did, I took it to number one overall on Amazon as a niche a real estate investing book. Um, it, it was in Canada at the time. I live in the States now. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, it, was, it was kind of the door opening that A, I didn't need the gatekeeper. I could do it just as well or better than if they were there. And also I kept all my rights and I watched some of my friends struggle with missing out on the rights to the book. Um, so, yeah, it was just that that was the moment.
0: <laughs> what, what was the, the the first was that the first book that you published on real estate? Was that exactly. the, for the book that you you pitched? Was that the same idea or did you end up writing something different? Publishing nope. something
1: different? Yeah, it was the, the idea I pitched. That they said no. They said, oh, it's a general real estate investing book. And, you know, that's not, you know, we're not interested in that. And they gave me another real estate kind of angle to to build the proposal on, which I wasn't very excited about. Um, the book I wrote, why I knew it was different was I'd read probably 80 books in the real estate space right. and I knew nobody really shared their, the things that went really wrong. And I also knew they were very common. Like a lot of the problems that I had encountered with bad tenants, with property managers. And, you know, we had some gory stories too. I was like, people need to know this stuff. Um, but nobody talked about it because everybody was like, buy real estate and have a yacht. you know. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> Oh, it's so, yeah, I laid all it all out good and
0: great all good and great. You know, invest money in real estate. You got people paying the rent to you every month until they don't pay rent. Every month.
1: Until they we trash the property
0: up, <laughs> until they trash the property. And you need to rebuild it and to spend hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands in the, the, in the just maintenance. The roof breaks uh, and now there's a <laughs> that's a 50 grand just gone i you know, I, I, I laugh at it uh, uh, because uh, i have a, a work with a lot of clients in the property space uh, to help them either launch their courses uh, as well and uh, i can i can hear some of the comments that they are making i'm not in their in the property space myself but i can see some of the comments that they're making some of the horror stories and when they go wrong you know you're talking about a lot of cash going out uh, what was the what was the reaction? Actually, no, let me ask you. What uh, made you choose that angle? And uh, I, I would love you to answer this question, uh, focusing also on uh, how can people find an angle mm-hmm. that is different, that uh, is not... Uh, the same here are the three steps to success or here is how you fall in love with the person of your dreams or whatever is the topic. So first of all, let's start with how you found the angle and then what you can share about how can other people find that angle?
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, like I said, I'd read probably 80 books in the real estate space by then. And I knew like all of them talked about how to make money, but none of them shared the fact that, you know, kind of like you alluded to, like we had one, we paid, we were distance landlords, which a lot of people, you know, they, where they live, they don't find properties that cash flow, so they buy in other cities. And we had one that had a leaky roof, and the roofer charged us for the roof, sent us pictures, said it was done, and so we assumed it was done. And then the next winter, the roof was leaking again. They hadn't actually done all of the roof. Um, But we didn't physically go there and make sure they had done it. We just trusted and so so I knew, like nobody said all this stuff in a book, like all the things like, hey, you should watch out for this. And hey, your property manager can rob rent money from you if you're not watching certain things. And so that I knew, I just knew that nobody was talking about all the mess ups, <laughs> and all the mistakes, because these are embarrassing, right? Like to be like, oh, look at all the stupid things I did. <laughs> people ripped me off left, right and center because I didn't know any better. Um, so that was that. But I mean, at Book launches, we help people find their angle. And a couple of questions that we ask to help you find that angle that makes you just a little bit, little bit different, a little bit unique so you can stand out is, first of all, look around your industry, because if you've been in it for five years or longer, there's going to be either something that people commonly believe is true, but you feel very strongly is not, or there's something that irritates you about your industry, and you can kind of wedge yourself in there. And if I take it back to my real estate as an example, passive income was something that a lot of people believed. Become an investor and you get passive income. Well, I believe passive income, the belief that it was passive income led me to have property managers rob rent money from me. So that is that angle that is just a little different, right? Still the fundamentals are all the same. Like if you read my real estate book, you're gonna find that 65% of it is exactly what's in every other real at the end estate. End of the day, book.
0: real estate is real estate. Is
1: exactly. <laughs> but it's the other 35% that angles it just that little different. So looking at your industry and finding like what irritates you, or what's that thing that most people think is true that you know in your world is not, um, that's all you need. And that's your golden thread.
0: Mm, So finding so there there is a few things that I'm hearing you saying one is uh, understand your industry first Mm -hmm. and uh, and then the second part is uh, now that you understand your industry, then find, uh, you know, between the common shared beliefs uh, or trends that there are or um, things that everyone talks about and says, what is something that from your experience uh, is different. or contract dates, uh, that particular trend, mm-hmm. or just gives it another angle, but based on the personal experience. So that's uh, the way to find the different topics. Am I correct saying that?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's lots of other ways to do it, but those mm-hmm. I find get people there faster most of the time.
0: All right. And uh, in, so you, you talked about uh, the uh, understanding your industry. And uh, let's see if someone is starting out. You know, we have a lot of people that are starting out in the show. and mm-hmm. uh, uh, and I don't know, there's something that frustrates me sometimes. And you can maybe share a different point of view as well. Uh, but there are some people that are starting out, and the first thing that they're doing, they're saying, OK, I need to write a book. I don't know what I'm going to write in there, but I know a book is important. The top people in my industry have all the books, so I need to have one, but I've just started my business. So, is a book something that someone should have at the start of their business? And I did that. And I one of the things I regret because I'm not promoting that book that I wrote. It was like it was a good exercise, but I, in hindsight, it was too early for me to write a book. I just got caught up into the hype. Mm-hmm. So it, is that something that if you're at the beginning, you should write a book is important for you or can help or maybe it's better to wait or it doesn't matter. If you want to write it, write it anyway. It's like what's your view on that?
1: it depends. Unfortunately, I don't have like a, a this is the right way. Um, because we've had authors who have started a business and use the book as their starting point. And for them, in many cases, it's worked well. But I think that it depends on what you're bringing to the table when you are doing that. Like if you're fresh out of school starting your first business, um, and you're writing a book, if you're not extracting th- like the material from experts, right? So, uh, you know, one way to do it is to interview some of the key people who have experience and draw from their credibility, draw from their expertise that can position you um, really well. It can teach you and you can really share a lot of value in that. But if you write the book at the beginning, like this is how you do this, but you don't have any expertise or experience um, and you're brand new to the world, like you haven't explored your own story. So you can't even offer value through that. It's going to be a flat book and it's going to be one that probably doesn't do the things that you want to do. So there is a path with a book, but it's not the path that a lot of people think like I'm going to write this book about my amazing story and tell everybody because you haven't gone deep enough into uh, you know making enough mistakes because ultimately, if you haven't had a lot of mistakes, you're probably not going to have a very interesting book, um, which is why you can draw from other people and draw from their mistakes. <laughs>
0: That's a that's a great point. I've not thought about that, Um, which is also what we are doing here on the show. I mean, everyone could have a podcast. You know, you don't need to be the expert. You need to just be good at creating a conversation or get Mm -hmm. good at creating a conversation or having or get someone else to share their expertise. And the same can work with books. Mm -hmm. You you don't have to be the one writing from start to finish. You can be the one interviewing people, um, I'm sure there are other ways in which can people can go and get their books written. So we might talk about the different ways and different mm-hmm. types of books that people can write. We can go there in, in terms of the interview. But uh, if, if I'm going, if I'm starting from the beginning uh, and uh, now I say, actually, I got something that I want to say, I want to write a book. It's important for my business and uh, I want to leave a legacy with my message. I want to have a message that is not going to uh, live with me. Uh, Where would someone start? What are the first thing at the starting point someone should consider in this process?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's two things to start with. One is to understand your bigger picture goal. Um, And a lot of people think, oh, I want to be a bestseller. And that's not what I mean when I mean bigger picture goal, because a bestseller is like one stop on this journey. Um, it is not the destination. So I'm, I'm really talking like, okay, I want to generate leads. I want to, I want to be a speaker. I wanna be a paid speaker, or I want this to be my legacy. Um, so you want that bigger picture vision of what your book is going to do. Um, and then you wanna figure out who you're impacting with this. So who's your reader? Um, and a lot of people, fall into the trap of, well, my story, it's my story. So it's everyone, everyone's my reader. Well, if you're going for everyone, you're going to appeal to no one. Um, but even more than that, then people think then they go oh, back to their marketing training, They're like, okay, it's women between the ages of 30 and 50. And you know, and I'm like, yeah, no, <laughs> I mean, you in the webinar business, you know, this already, like, you have to have a clear audience and a problem that you're solving for that audience. And, and that's what you need to define really clearly before you start writing.
0: So it is uh, your audience and the problem that you are solving for that particular audience and then from there you can then develop uh, the angle that you say exactly okay, so then i've got this problem that i want to solve and i'm going to develop uh, that angle um is there a way that you found effective for people that are a bit stuck in terms of finding their audience uh, is there a way that you found maybe worked working with a client and your client was stuck and Mm -hmm. uh, or maybe confused because sometimes it can be i'm working with different audiences uh, or my message can apply to different audiences and is there something that you did with a client to help them hone in uh, that you can share with us
1: yeah i mean that's the bigger picture goal um that's where that is really important because for example um if you are trying to be a paid speaker but your story is of, I have, I use this example all the time cause this actually was true. Um, but this person uh, had a story of estrangement from her family and, and she wanted to be a paid keynote speaker. And I was like, okay, well, look at the people who are paying for keynote speakers and what part of your story and what part is going to appeal to them. Like, we had to angle it totally different in order to achieve that bigger picture goal. Cause you want to look at who's in the audiences you want to speak with and what are they going to pay you to talk about? Um, it's not going to be estrangement, <laughs> so there's going to be a very small paying audience for that. So that's where you want to kind of look at who that ultimate or what your ultimate goal is. Like if it's your, if it's your business, if you're trying to generate leads, who's your absolute ideal customer? Maybe you serve multiple audiences, but we all have an ideal, like, you know, you who's the main main person that you want yeah. to be working with you. That's who you write the book for um and a lot of people are afraid to go niche because they're like oh that's like they get the scarcity feeling of well there's not enough people but if you do that if you go almost to the point where you're like oh there might not be enough people what you've done is made it so those people go oh my goodness this book is exactly for me and it actually streamlines your marketing
0: what's your view between uh, um you know niche book that uh, so which is very specific very niche so for example if i'm talking about the property space it can be um, um a particular hmo strategy or mm-hmm. a flipping strategy so very not just like an overview but very specific compare to still being specific in your field but give more the overview um, what books, type of books, do you think work best? Is that a very specific, super specific in terms of also the strategies that he shared, or something that can be a bit more, um, that can be read by other people that might not be specifically interested in that particular small strategy?
1: Depends on if you have an existing audience. So okay. if you don't have an existing audience, you're better off to go specific because then people with existing audiences will be more likely to put you in front of them to solve that very specific problem that you solve with your book. Um, if you have an existing audience, so you've got, you know, a very robust podcast audience or you're speaking on a regular basis or you've got a great YouTube channel or a newsletter, then you can go a little bit wider because that audience will probably pick up the book because they already enjoy your content and they already, you know, they're already in your sphere. Um, but the mistake a lot of people make is thinking they need to be more general to pick up that audience. But in fact, it's the opposite, right? Because if you think about who you want to have on your podcast, it's people with very specific expertise, right? That can help yes. your audience with a very specific problem. And that's what will happen with your book marketing. If you solve, if you solve a very specific problem, you'll be an automatic. Yes. And one of our clients wrote a book on tactic. it's called tactical Lock Picking. So it's a book for first responders okay. on how to get through locked obstacles. That's a very specific audience. Um, you know, criminal, criminal activities aside, (laughs) which I'm sure there's a market in that space for that, you know, it's fire, it's people in the fire, um, you know, basically, uh, fire, fire training companies and Mm -hmm. people who oversee, um, the training of any fire. I don't, I don't like calling them firemen, fire people, (laughs) whatever it is. Um, and, and, but that audience, my team pitches and there was a 75 to 80%. Yes on the pitches that went out versus our norm is somewhere between 15 to 30%. But it's because it was like, oh my gosh, this book is exactly for my people.
0: Yeah. I like the, um, and I agree with you with the specificity. Like the more specific it is, the easier is gonna be to create partnerships. Mm-hmm. Because for to create a successful partnership or to get someone to endorse in front of their audience, we need to add something that uh, they are not doing already, that they might not be providing already, that uh, is a complementary or a different angle um, or a different topic uh, on the under the umbrella topic of what they talk about. Mm-hmm. And the more specific it is, the easier it is to get that partnership, because uh, the the thing with the, the general overview, if, even if with courses or webinars, I can see the parallel, a lot of parallels in the world that we do with webinars, the general overview. It's very difficult to sell to a partner because chances are they are doing the general stuff already to get their clients ready. Like if they are mm-hmm. looking at the top things, everyone does them to get them their clients ready or to get them ready for that specific thing that then they are and they end up talking about. So then they end up um, stepping on each other's toes and someone will be, well, I'm not sure if I want to have you on my show and mm-hmm. <laughs> talk about the same things that I'm talking about like everyone else is talking about. Um, I want to talk about marketing now because uh, I think that there is uh, uh, a lot of this idea. In mean, particular, someone is starting out uh, in, in the author space. I'm going to write a book. People are going to buy my book. I'm going to have book sales. I'm going to make a lot of money from my book, uh, from the book sales. And then uh, they, they, they understand the game. <laughs> they, they realize how it is. So let's... Uh, Talk about the marketing and sales part. Um, how can what how what can we do to market the book effectively and can we really make money just from book sales?
1: Yeah, no, great questions. And I mean, this is this is part of why I started Book Launchers is because I saw a lot of authors writing a book and then figuring out how to sell it and they're not two separate events it really requires you to think about marketing before you even start writing and you know that's why my first two questions are what's your bigger picture goal and who's your reader and you know we even we talked about before but i have a seven steps work workbook um, that guides you through this and you don't start writing until step six (laughs) so you know in this in this workbook which we will tell you how to get at the end um, you're you're thinking through a lot of the things they are going to position you for marketing. Uh, And that's really, really important. And a lot of people miss that. And then while we're going through the whole process, you know, when we when we design a cover, for example, we're looking at the category. How is this cover going to fit in but stand out in the category? Because you want to be trusted, but you have to get clicked on in order to sell the book. So there's a lot of marketing elements that get thought about, even the title and subtitle. Do you have keywords that are going to make your title discoverable when somebody's trying to solve their problem in Google or in Amazon? So, I find a lot of especially self-published authors are missing the mark uh, in planning the marketing throughout the whole process. They finish the book, they're like, "Ooh, the book's done. Now I'm going to put it on Amazon and it's going to sell." <laughs> and they've missed like a, you know all this work that actually goes into making something sell- saleable. But then you still have to drive traffic <laughs> to the pages where your book is. Um, as for, oh, do you want me, I'll let you go. I was going to answer your question. About no, my- I
0: just no. I just going to say, uh, for everyone who is interested, you can scroll down straight away, and in the show notes, so you can see there is a link called booklaunchers.com forward slash seven steps. And that's what they give away and the resource yeah. that she's talking about where you start writing on step six. So uh, check it out while you're listening to it. If you're on your, on your phone or on your laptop, just check it out so you can uh, you can get the resources, but please go ahead.
1: Yeah, and I mean, the money piece is interesting. So, I mean, you can make money selling books, um, but usually I tell people to think about you know using the book as a tool. Because often if you do that, you're still going to sell books and, you know, it's becomes monetized marketing and, you know, it's great, a great place to be in when your marketing is making you money. (laughs) So, uh, so that's how I prefer to look at it for the most part. Um, But there are people who make money from books, but that's not, that's not in the nonfiction world. That's not usually why people are writing a book. Um, And if they are, they need to be planning to write a book every six months and just keep, churning out that beast because one book is not going to make your living for the rest of your life because they all have like a a peak and then they go down and you know you always have to be marketing but um you know numbers wise you can expect to make somewhere between four to six dollars per book so that tells you how many thousands of books you need to sell if that's what you think you're going to live on so it's much easier to use that book as a tool to generate business
0: (laughs) and and that's a i think is an important mindset also when you when you said you started with the marketing in mind, even before you write a book. Uh, And that's a really key message that I want everyone to get. You start with the marketing in mind. Um, We can use the parallel even when you are creating a course or creating a webinar. You start with the marketing in mind, how you're going to then market it, how you're going to sell it. Because if you start in that way, what I like about your approach is that now if you reverse engineer, now you are going to create things that actually people are going to read, or as you mentioned, mm-hmm. people are going to click on that people are going to find valuable, because you can have the best book in the world, you can have the best message in the world, but if no one picks up a copy, what's the point, right? And and that leads me to the next question, which is uh, no, you already told, we already talked about messaging and avatar, so excluding those. What is the number one marketing mistake that you've seen people that are not working with you or people that are not experiences in book launches or in book creation they make? What's the biggest marketing mistake outside the messaging and avatar?
1: Yeah, the biggest. That's tough. I would say probably not asking for reviews um, because, you know, just like you start, you know, the podcast, you know, you started the podcast. It's a lifeblood of, of the podcast. It's the lifeblood of your book. Uh, And you need reviews. And the only way to get them, not the only way, but the main way to get them is asking. And it's a pain. And you got to keep asking, you have to always be asking, but it's vital. And I think it's something that isn't particularly enjoyable. Uh, It's just one of those things where if you want people to find your book, if you want people to find your podcast and know it's for them, you need those reviews. Uh, And so that's something that a lot of people do a lot of in the beginning. i will not not a lot they need to do more of but they they do it at the beginning but then they stop and you need reviews on a regular basis because people are not only going to look for the reviews but they're going to look at how recent
0: so Hmm. so if you have a review that is like five years ago then uh, i'm going to maybe go for a book that has a review that has been sent uh, last week or last month
1: exactly because relevancy matters
0: i'm curious now to know is there a because i agree with you like Asking for reviews, you know, sometimes it feels like you're begging and no one wants to beg. <laughs> it's like, oh, please give me the review. I really <laughs> need it. It's like, that's not the best business approach. Have <laughs> you found a creative approach that maybe you've used with the clients or a clients came up with that got really good results in terms of review? It wasn't baggy, but it, it was very effective and also creative. Do you have an example?
1: I mean, we do lots of different things. I'll use my latest book, Self Publish and Succeed. I have a really wonderful community of people on YouTube that, you know, they're not necessarily clients, some of them are clients, but a lot of them aren't. But they just tune in every Tuesday and Friday when my videos come out and I call them my YouTube besties and I send them swag when they comment on videos, you know, like I built a really strong community and it became a community effort to get to 50 reviews. Like it was like everybody was all on board. And once we had 50 reviews, I had a live stream party that everybody could come to, whether you reviewed or not, but they knew like, OK, we got to get to 50 reviews. And so they were encouraging each other to write reviews. And, and it worked in a, like this community is really powerful. When you get that community going, um, that can be a great tool. Um, you can bribe people to an extent like Amazon has very strict rules as to you know, what you can and can't do for re- reviews and they'll remove even legit reviews. It's very frustrating. Um, but but you can you know, do what I did, which is when we get to 50 reviews, we're going to have a party and let me know when you've written a review and I will give you a shout out on a live stream. And you know, I'm not asking for a good review. I'm just saying write a review. And so you can do those things and make it fun. And then it's not then it's like a community benefit. And then you're giving people benefit when they do this. And so I think that's a really great way if you have an audience already.
0: I love it. Uh, and uh, that goes the importance of building a community from the get go. You know, when you have a community uh, I'm, I'm really passionate about this topic. I mean, my business G-Tech, is growing together exponentially. Yeah. That's we do things together. We are a community. And that's the the heart and soul of everything i do we do things together so uh, and the beautiful thing is that when you build that community you know you have always your next client uh, from Mm -hmm. coming from that community you have the next review you have your podcast listeners you have your readers anything that you do that you're putting out because um, of course you need to put out great quality things uh, and you need to show that you care about them but if you do that they will always take care of you for the rest of your business uh, what if you don't have that community because there are some people that uh, maybe they have uh, 20 year plus of expertise so they they can write the most incredible book mm-hmm. but maybe they've been working in, a, in, a, in in their field and now they are starting their business and they want to start with their book now in that case they might not have a developed a YouTube community or an Instagram community or a Facebook community or any other community mm-hmm. what other strategy would you give to get uh, reviews that could work if you don't have a community of that size.
1: Yeah, you're going to go one at a time. You're going to use services like Goodreads. You'll do a Goodreads giveaway that will, you know, you'll give, give, probably give what away... Is
0: Goodreads? What is Goodreads?
1: Goodreads is like a... Um, Amazon owns Goodreads. It's like a social media platform for book readers. And so all the books that people, a lot of, we call them whale readers, right? People who read a book a day or three books a day, um, you know, they live on on Goodreads. But it's also yeah. a platform where you can find um, libraries and places like that. We'll check it out. So goodreads has giveaways that you can give away to readers and usually you'll get a few reviews from that we also use some services like book sprout which is a reviewer community so you pay um, to list your book and then people who are interested in it will um, sign basically put their hand up they get a copy and then they more or less have to write a review as part of that community mm-hmm. um, that usually generate depends on the book um, but usually generates a couple of reviews at least and so you're just kind of ticking them off one by one. Um, we've used NetGalley as well as another review service. Same thing, um, that reaches professional reviewers. So expect mm-hmm. to have some harsher reviews from NetGalley, but you'll get reviews. Um, and yeah, it's just like finding services and places. We send it out ARC copies, which are advanced reviewer copies. We send them out to reviewers that, that write blogs, um, there's booktubers, mm-hmm. right? So. It, yeah, it, that's why I say yeah. it's one review at a time, but it's important and you do it and it's a little bit more work, but um, but you'll get reviews.
0: Uh, and and they are important. And, they, and then in that way, also, you can build your community from the back exactly. as well of those reviews. Uh, before we move away from the topic of marketing and in particular reviews, because we went down this rabbit hole right now, I'm curious to know about what's the deal with Amazon or other um, yeah. places with the. Um, not bribes, but with, um, let's say, gifts in terms of, you know, there is a very popular strategies for everyone here is more like has been in business for a while. You know when you, you buy, uh, you buy the book and leave a review and I'll give you a session or uh, you get this online course. Does this qualify as a non-genuine review if there is that attached to it and can create problems or is there some new way in there? um i mean it depends on how you do it so
1: and i mean generally we just stay away from saying do a review get this um like i said you can kind of invite people to celebrate and you know post on social media as thank yous but you don't want to ever have it come across that you have bribed somebody or paid them to write a specific kind of review so um separate from that though i would use those kind of incentives to drive sales of your book. So if for example, during your launch week, you want to give people access to an online course, or give them, you know, previous books that you've written, uh, or a tool or a spreadsheet or something, you can say, hey, buy my book, and then you're going to get this, you know, $99 course free, send me the receipt of your book purchase, and boom, you know, so giving people a reason to buy the core or buy the book now, um, I think is a great strategy to drive sales for certain promotional weeks. um, But I wouldn't necessarily do it to get
0: reviews. I love that. I love that. And um, so they give them a reason to buy now and yeah. that by increasing the number of sales, then you have oh, definitely the potential of increasing the number of reviews. The more, exactly. sales, the more reviews the more reviews you're going to get. So the other exactly. way is also to focus on the sales. Now, we're going to uh, wrap up the interview with a final question, which is about what do you do if you don't like writing? It's all good and great. No, I yeah. know people, myself included that I know the importance of a book. I've not published a book now in about five years. And uh, to be honest, I don't like writing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I don't like writing. And uh, I know you've got something for it. But before we answer this question, I want you to talk about the the seven steps uh, that uh, you're offering, because I know you have a a giveaway for everyone who's Mm -hmm. interested in in uh, writing a book and publish a book. So let's talk about the seven step process that you have created and how can people find it?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the download that we have, you get it at booklaunchers.com forward slash the number seven steps. Um, and it's really going to walk you through the thinking that you need to have done before you start writing or before you get somebody else to write, like segue into your the question we're going to, is this thinking has to be done no matter what. And that is thinking through you know, who's your audience, what's your bigger picture goal, and what's the outcome of the outcome? That's what I call it for nonfiction books. It's like, right. it's not enough to say that you're going to teach people how to um, you know, sell on a webinar. It's like, after they've sold on this webinar, what outcome is happening for them? And mm-hmm. so you're selling that outcome of the outcome, not the first outcome. And that's where you really have to know your reader, your bigger picture goal, and, and kind of that, that thing you're gonna help them with. All of that has to be thought through. And then you want to think through your own story and how it applies, or your own content and how it applies, and you start building your writing outline from there. So that's all the work. That's what I mean. Like, there's a lot to do before you even get to the writing or the hiring of a writer um, or yeah. the voice uh, dictation, which is the other way to. You know, there's kind of three ways to get a book written.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. We'll get. We'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so if, make sure that uh, you, you get the, the seven step process is uh, booklaunchers.com forward slash seven steps. So booklaunchers.com forward slash seven steps. Uh, and then you can also check the link uh, in the show notes. The link is there. Uh, now, Julie, as I mentioned, there are different ways to write to, to write books. Uh, sitting mm-hmm. down uh, in uh, with pen and paper. No, definitely no one does it with pen and paper anymore. People do. <laughs> People, People do. do. <laughs> Oh my! So they write it with pen and paper, and then they get someone else to type it, or they type it then back themselves.
1: Or we send it to OCR, um, like it's basically a, a printer that takes it and translates handwritten um, into into. Uh, oh my text. god! You don't
0: want this. You don't want to see my handwriting. No, Please, no, 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 no. It's no, no.
1: not a. It's not a great process. But anyways, there are people who do it.
0: I, I bet. <laughs> but in my case, uh, I I can write. I just don't like it. Give me to talk, I'll talk every day. I talk for hours, I'll talk for days. No one can shut me up. Writing, so what do we do? What are the different ways in which you can write books?
1: Yeah, there's. I mean, there's lots of ways. That plan, once you've got that plan, once you've got that outline, you know what every chapter needs to accomplish, um, you, can, you can talk it out, you can put it in voice note, you can use the dictation software. I personally don't like dictation software because for dictation software to work, you have to go, okay, step one is going to be this and then period, new paragraph, you know, like you have to talk like that. That drives me bonkers. That's
0: why I've never, that's why I tried it. I never use it because uh, the thing is that by talking into something, you are following the train of those. If I have to stop to say comma. Exactly. stop. Yeah. Space, space. (laughs) (laughs) That's not flow. That's yeah. not flow. So, yeah, but so I, my... I've seen. I know people that have written. I know yeah. a friend of mine They've written fifty two books using dictation software.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and it works for some. I mean, for me, I I'm the same as you. I can't if I'm thinking that way. I'm 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 lost. My whole point, and so my preference is to put it in a voice note or like, you know, just record it and then tra- get it transcribed. Like, it, you know, we use um, Otter AI. We also use Tami, T-E-M-I.com. They're pretty low low cost um, artificial intelligence that will uh, transcribe it for you. But the other option is to have a writer. So if you're the kind of person who will do it really well conversationally, get somebody to interview you, talk it out, and they'll, they'll take your, they'll record it, they'll ask you questions, they'll write their own notes, and then they'll write it based on Based on the content that you're giving them over the phone, um, or you can do a hybrid. You know, we have some clients who they take content from their podcast or from their videos or from their talks. The writer puts it in the you know takes that content, puts it in, and then interviews them to fill in the gaps. Um, nice. There's like, there's not one way to get this done.
0: Well, you can have multiple ways, and so listen in. There is hope. There is hope <laughs> for all these people that don't like writing. Um, let's, uh, and also sometimes you can think about people with dyslexia and, uh, like there is a, there is a, an all sorts. So if they know the writing is not your greatest skill, don't give up on the idea or the dream, because I know for some people it's a dream or a goal of, mm-hmm. uh, of having your book published. Um, I would love to wrap up with a final message, uh, that you have, uh, um, that, uh, can summarize this conversation. Cause now we, we are here, we are here at the end. And if there is a one thing that you would say that can summarize the conversation, or final message that you want to leave to our listeners, what, is, what would that be?
1: I mean, your book isn't going to impact you or anyone else if it's in your head. So you need to get it out and publish it. <laughs> the missing piece is always action. So you have to take action or, or nothing's going to happen.
0: Yeah, get it out and publish it. Take action or nothing is going to happen. Julie, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. I'll love the interview, food for Toads. And now you, you remind me again about uh, writing my, my book, uh, that it is, uh, it is something that is, uh, it needs to get out. So otherwise, it's no good to anyone. If he's here, so I'll, I'll take I'll take that as a message. That message definitely definitely talks to me, and I'm sure it talks to a lot of other people that are listening that are listening right now. So thank you, Julie, appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, and ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you for watching and uh, make sure you subscribe to the channel so you don't miss any other future episode and also the other videos that we that we publish. Also, if you if you're listening to our show on uh, your favorite podcasting platform, subscribe because if you have been listening so far my assumption is you liked it you like the episode so make sure you subscribe and also leave us a review we talked about the importance of reviews reviews are really important they're good for our guests they're good for the show they're good for my ego they're good for everyone so leave us a review and again thank you until next time remember that together we grow exponentially ciao <laughs> gtex.events forward slash expert iPhone checklist so it's gtex.events forward slash expert iPhone checklist and as well finally if you want to receive daily support in your coaching and speaking business or explore how we can work together join our private Facebook group Explode Your Expert Biz Again, you can find it on Facebook at Explode Your Expert Biz, or the link is in the show notes. Thank you very much for listening, and until next time, remember that together we grow exponentially.